is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I, of course, am Nick, but no Brandon, no Dan. We're doing a special episode today with the uh, with representatives of the Chelsea Pitch Owners and the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, and so we're going to get into that really quickly. But before we start the episode and before I introduce our illustrious guests, uh, I want to just kind of uh, set the table with why we're doing this episode. Uh, we, we wanted to set up a chat to inform our listeners about the role of the Chelsea Pitch Owners and Chelsea Supporters Trust, you know, as the sale of Chelsea Football Club is going on. Uh, both uh, Chris Isaac and Stanford Chidge have featured uh, a bunch of this podcast, so I think you'll know them uh, from recent episodes. But we want to to provide our platform and allow them to represent both organizations effectively, talk about the latest and greatest, talk about the process, uh, and then you know talk about some objectives with uh, with the sale as as we ultimately reach that that milestone. So. Uh, what's not going to be featured in this episode are uh, anything related to playing favorites with bidders or uh, private conversations or any of the things that you know they are not allowed to kind of go through as representatives of their orgs. So I think most of our listeners know where we stand at this point. That's just kind of where we stand. I just wanted to shine some light on the work that's being done behind the scenes as all this stuff goes on because it is thankless work and uh, and happening at a crazy time in, in Chelsea Football Club's history. So that's what's going on. Uh, I will quickly introduce our, our illustrious guests. First, uh, Chidge, how are we doing? I'm good. It's, I mean, Nick, lovely to see you, mate. Always is. But you know, if I'm speaking on behalf of the Trust, you have to call me David Chidgey, not Stanford oh. Okay, no, that's only, right. I'm, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. That's, that's your fan your fan cast pseudonym. That's right. Just call yeah. me the Podfather, like you normally do. <laughs> Absolutely. And and while we're talking about the trust, what is your role on the trust, sir? Well, that's a really good question. I'm a bit like a. I mean, it's. I'm actually. I'll try and put it in Americanese, as as, as you boys are American. <laughs> I've seen films before where. You know, like the, uh, the the former president. Of course, when there's a president of the United States, you're always the president, aren't you? Even yep. even not anymore. And they they tend to kind of uh, kind of be brought back occasionally and uh, for advisory roles. Well, I, I've kind of done. I've been on the board since we formed it. As you know, I, I helped mm-hmm. uh, help launch the trust back in 2012. And uh, the wonderful Tim Rolls was the chair for the first three years. And we have a uh, for our chairman. Uh, I mean, you know, basically. We all get elected to the board in the annual elections if, if we're lucky enough to get elected, and then from from the elected board we vote in a chairman. Okay, mm-hmm. so and that that person can only be the chairman for three years. So we put a limit on the number of years you could do. It. Otherwise, it becomes a dictatorship, and we don't want that. Uh, so I did between 2016 and 19, mm-hmm. and then Cliff Auger uh, was voted in as the chairman after me. But I mean, I kind of felt that I wanted to still be involved because I've been involved since the inception. And it's usual, useful to have people on the board with that experience and you kind of know where the bodies are buried, really. But I didn't want to. I'd had my time. I really kind of felt strongly that I had had my time in the spotlight and doing everything. And I really needed to step back a bit and let an excellent number of new board members, and who I'm delighted to say are, are a lot younger than me as well, which I think is important, and they've got a huge amount of specialist skills and talent, and it's been great. So I've, I've kind of stepped back a bit, but I'm still very much involved and, and hopefully, you know, put in the odd bit of sound and uh, sage advice as you would expect of an elder statesman. Sage advice, what you're known for. 
Absolutely. I'm, I am officially a minister without portfolio, Nick. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, I, I'm also pleased to welcome back Chris Isaac, um, who is a, a part of the Chelsea Pitch Owners. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? And can you share a little bit about your role uh, at CPO? Yes, Nick. Thanks very much for, for having me on again. And, and great to be in such illustrious company um, with the great man. Uh, Chich and, and looking forward to having a bit of a chat and showing the fellow around what's been going on. Um, as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners um, is the company owned by fans who bought shares, and the pitch owners owns the freehold to Stamford Bridge. So an, an integral part of the process um, involved in any any bidder coming on to buy the club. So it's uh, an important role that we have to play representing the fans and we have something like 14,000 I was going to say 13,000 we've had such a fantastic last four or five weeks uh, the, numbers of, the numbers are skyrocketing as we speak so I'm going to say 14,000 shareholders from around about 45 countries around the world um, who own a huge number of the shares um, that uh, that was set up when the company was formed back in 1993 um, there are six directors on Chelsea pitch owners um, currently. Um, we put ourselves up for re-election every year at the AGM. Um, and at the moment, um, I am the chair. Um, I don't believe there's a fixed time limit on that role. Um, but again, there's a uh, we're up for re-election every year, so any, any time that can change. Um, but again, we have a strong team of directors. Um, we have... Um, some great legal minds in the business. We have uh, very, very strong corporate um, experience on the on the directors board, and we have some strong finance as well. So a very good mixture of PR, finance, legal, everything. So it's a really good mix, particularly what's going on at the moment. So we get a good um, and the, the amount of costs that we have, and you know, we reach into all parts of uh, parts of the process, which has been very handy over the last. Just briefly. Who we are, as I'm sure everybody knows who we are, and um, no busy times for us all at the moment. Busy times indeed. Well, yeah, today's episode again going to be covering off on a few things. We're uh, obviously reintroduce our friends here and credential both those orgs in a second. Uh, we're going to share kind of latest and greatest around the sale and statements that have been made publicly by by both orgs. Uh, I will uh, see if I can get a bite from from both gentlemen about just their general personal feelings about the process that's gone on, not about the bidders themselves. Talk about some objectives with new owners, and we'll sprinkle a couple of questions from Discord in here as well uh, as people are curious about the, the process here. Um, first and foremost, though, uh, we have a couple of, of calls to action. Obviously, uh, we want... Um, people to become members or uh, participants in both organizations. First, uh, if you want to be a, a Chelsea pitch owner, uh, go to chelseafc.com forward slash en forward slash CPO, uh, and you have the option to buy a share there. Uh, Chris, do you want to talk about the recent AGM news and releasing up to 3,000 uh, more shares uh, for folks to buy? Yeah, sure. Um, every every year as part of the um, part of the decision that the uh, – the group that the shells have to make um, is we have to sort of uh, set a limit as to how many shares we can sell. That's set by law. Um, at the moment, we have the opportunity to sell up to 3,000 shares. Um, and we've had a really good start, as I said earlier. So um, it's, a, it's a really strong way to support what's going on, to buy a share in the pitch and and and, and buy you know buy a share in, in, in your role and involvement in this club that we all love so much. 
Um, there's no limit, upper limits, the amount of shares you can buy. You can buy them for yourself or for your family. They make great presents for kids, parents, uncles, aunties, you name it. Um, so great opportunity now to buy in and really play part of this process that we're going through. Apart from the normal shares, which you can just buy for £100 each, plus a little a small admin fee, we also do shares that certificates that are signed by players. We can frame them for you. We have some specials. We have great special editions at the moment. One with uh, Cesar Aspilicueta holding the, uh, the Champions League trophy. And one with Emma Hayes holding the Champions League trophy for the women's team as well. Uh, and then we have um, all sorts of specials going on. We just had a great news one of our great supporters, Pat Nevin, signed some shares to Vickers for us as well a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Uh, and we're also hoping to get our president, John Terry, to sign a few more as well because all the ones that we had when he was a player have now gone and now he has uh, stepped into the role as uh, of president or stepped back into the role of president. Uh, when we spoke to him fairly recently, he said he signed a few more shares to Vickers for us as well. So a great number of ways that you can get involved. I say you can buy in at the... At the bank, again, a hundred pound throw, or you can uh, pay a bit more to have your favourite player sign the certificate for you. And then we're back in stock of most of the key ones. Mason Mount was the one that was out of stock for a while. We sold. He's been the most popular by a long way, uh, but he's sat down and and got his right hand out and, and uh, signed a few more shares for us over the last few weeks. So we're back in stock of him now. Yep, uh, and I have a, a signed Cesar Azpilicueta version right behind me, the, the Champions League special. So. Yeah, go go get involved there. Go buy a share uh, for yourself, for your friends. Do do the right thing there. Uh, Chidge, obviously, we want people to become members of the trust. Uh, so ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Uh, obviously, I th I think much like uh, Chris and the CPO, there's been an influx of interest uh, in in the supporters trust, especially as it comes to things like voting. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what goes into becoming an individual voting member? And uh, it, I, I would just make a note if you're going to do this. They have posted on the website that due to the recent news concerning the ownership of Chelsea FC, we've received a fantastic number of new members. As such, it's going to take us longer than usual to process all the postage for the badges. My badge is on my jean jacket. Uh, we appreciate your support and hope you understand the delay, which I think is uh, makes sense. Well, we're, we're in the same boat as Chris, in, in a sense. I mean, I, I think in a, in a funnier way, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've known, uh, I, I mean, I, I know uh, Chris's uh, forerunner as chairman very, very well. Charles and I have known each other for a long time. And we used to, we actually, we were both chairman respectively at the same time. So we often used to have a lot of off and on the record natters, but we both said that, it, that they're similar organisations in the fact that you know, when there's a crisis, our membership absolutely rockets. And when there's nothing going on, you know, we get ignored sensibly. Um, I mean, I would say for the for the trust, it, it's kind of, it trickles along and it always does because with the best will in the world to permeate people's consciousness is massively, I mean, you know, Chris knows this. I mean, I, 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 I plug both the trust and, you know, to, to join the trust and buy CPO shares on every show I do and I've been doing that for 14 years, but, and, you know, I wouldn't say we're in your league. I think you, you, you've absolutely rocketed in your numbers, but you know, we get a pretty, we get a good lot of Chelsea fans listening to our show, but you know, if they're not incentivized or motivated, they just ignore it. It's a human way, but we, we, you know, we absolutely, I mean, we tripled our membership because of the European super league Ferrara, which I felt we handled very, very well. We were right at the front of that as we should have been, you know, um, and, so that really took us on to a whole new level. 
And I think the, uh, you know, the latest what's been going on with the takeover has, has, has really, you know, boosted the membership too, obviously. Because, and I think, and here's the thing, I don't know, again, it'd be interesting to hear what Chris says about this. When, when Chelsea or Chelsea supporters are faced with an existential crisis, as in football is not going to be the same again, or Chelsea is not going to be say, the same again, or Chelsea might disappear, suddenly supporters get suitably worried and motivated to find anything that they can do to prevent that. And certainly, I think we as an organisation, you know, benefit, possibly the wrong word to use, but we do, we benefit from it because we get more members. From our point of view, that's the whole blooming point, you know, the Chelsea supporters (laughs) trust is not, you know, 12 or 13 or 4, I can't remember how many on the board now, it's not, you know, a group of, you know, narcissistic, self-absorbed, self-interested people doing it for their own ends. We do it voluntarily because we love the club and we love the supporters. I would possibly say it's the other way around. We love the supporters and we love the club. And we'll do everything in our power to, 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 to get the supporters' voice heard by the people it needs to be heard by. And, I mean, you, you've probably seen all sorts of slanderous rubbish on Twitter from certain people saying that we're, we're being paid off, you know, we're, we're just wanting a place on the board you know, privately, all this absolutely nonsense. We don't make a penny out of it ourselves. In fact, it costs us money and we do it for love. And we don't even do it for the ego, Nick. I've got the fan cast for that. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't need the trust to provide me with a big ego. And anyway, I've got a big enough ego already. Yeah, that I, was about, I was about to say, I mean, I've got in there before you. <laughs> yeah, how, how much more do you need? Um, look, right. become a member of the trust. It's five pounds a year. Uh, yeah. it, it literally, it couldn't. Couldn't be less money or, or you're stealing it. So, um, Shage, uh, with your $5 voting membership, uh, yeah. yeah, a couple of quick notes on that, please. Yeah, I mean, look, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, cheap is, a, is obviously a relative term, isn't it? Sure. But five quid a year, you know, that's less than a pint in the Cock Tavern, as you well know. So, yeah, I think it's pretty. And we were all, we always, I mean, there are you know other trusts like Arsenal, uh, certainly they charge 20, 30 quid a year. But we never wanted to do that. We wanted to make it accessible to as wide a group of people as possible. And we recognise right, right. that Chelsea is a worldwide club now. So, you know, I, I, I would hate to, to uh, you know, use that pejoratively, but there are going to be places in the world where five quid, you know, is a lot of money. So we always wanted to make sure that the entry point was very, very reasonable, and we think it is. Sure. Uh, you obviously get a lovely shiny badge, which are, are much cherished and much loved. And we were very lucky that the... The club allowed us to do that because, of course, we're technically using the Chelsea crest. So, you know, you have to get that authorised. But they're lovely badges. But that's not really the point. You know, the point is, is that it's a it's a membership driven democratic organisation. One member, one vote. So what we do, everything that we do is on behalf of the members. Okay, we have to take some decisions because we can't ask the, the members on every decision that has to be made. But we are accountable to the membership. And unlike the CPO, that accountability comes in the form of an AGM and an election every year. If they don't like what we do, they can vote us off and they can constitute a new board. They can only do that if they've paid their five quid to be a member. And if and if they want to put a, 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 a you know, policy idea forward as a motion at the AGM, again, if they're a member, they can do that. But if you're not a member, you can't. And also, because there is a free entry point too, uh, kind of a non-voting membership, but you don't get any membership uh, rights like voting and, uh, and and putting motions forward. So, I mean, it's a bit, you know, pay your five quid and be a member and get everything that you, you, you can get in the democratic process. That's the answer really, isn't it? Yeah, that is. And it's, <laughs> it's five quid. And, you know, we have... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, I think we have some ideas as to how we can uh, can sync up on on both these initiatives with folks who who maybe can't uh, necessarily afford either. And I think we're going to work on a couple of options for that just to to help out and do our part. But yeah, certainly, uh, if you're if you're listening to Brandon, Dan, or I on any given week, we're members of both organizations and uh, very proud to do so. Um, so. What we're going to do really quick is take a break, uh, hear some words from our sponsors, and uh, and be right back to, uh, to talk a little bit about the sale. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, guys. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, craziness uh, going along uh, with with the with the sale and all these prospective bidders and the process and all that kind of stuff. So, I think I'm gonna uh, just kind of aim questions at both of you and just try and get the the best insight I can about how each organization has uh, approached this process. Obviously, we don't need to talk about specific conversations or anything like that, but just to get a general sense of the work you guys are doing behind the scenes, because, again, this is uh, th this was not a normal uh, process of selling a club. This is uh, the sale of a frozen asset due to geopolitical uh, considerations. Right. So it's a, a much different kind of new world that we're in. Uh, and uh, certainly this season's already been nuts with the amount of games that have been played and all the, all sorts of stuff, Chelsea challenging for, for trophies and all that jazz. So th there's additional work being done on top of the normal work uh, that you, you guys already do, uh, which is great. So Chidge, I'm going to start with you in the trust first. Um, can you talk a little bit about the involvement that you've had as an organization in uh, the sale of, of Chelsea football club and any sort of like broad strokes meetings, stuff that you guys have done we've had meetings with all but one of the bidders so so of the, of the shortlisted bidders actually we had meetings of others who were not shortlisted as well and and quite rightly too i mean i think one has to start a bit earlier than that really nick because the minute this this hit the news we 
you know, we could have sat there open mouthed in shock and horror like everybody else, but uh, actually, uh, you know, several people, well, all of us on the board realized that we needed to galvanize quickly and get our act together. Um, and actually, you know, the, the recommendations or, or our demands, depending on your viewpoint, uh, uh, were really formed by what happened after the European Super, Super League debacle last year. So Tracy Crouch, who was the, I don't think she was the sports minister then, but she's a former sports minister. And the government uh, encouraged her to set up a review of football and it became known as the Fan-Led Review of Football Governance. And we drew from most of the recommendations that were made in the Fan-Led Review. And at the moment, they are only recommendations because they haven't been passed into legislation. And as a quick aside, they're unlikely to, to, to do that before the sale goes through, in spite of our protestations to the government that actually they could use this as a very good opportunity to do so, given that yeah. they are keen to have a, a clean sale and it's all above board. I mean, we are a great test case. But as always, the government, you know, don't listen when you need them to. But anyway, that aside. So things like the golden share, things like the shadow board, are absolutely things that were recommended in the fan-led review. So they're not they're not kind of like uh, little kind of Chelsea supporters trust wish list. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had? No, Th these are actually part of a governmental review. We had to tailor it a little bit to ch towards Chelsea. And we thought, look, we might only ever get one shot at this. I mean, you know, we've had one over for the last uh, 19 years. Uh, I won't be I won't be on the board in 19 years time. I'd be lucky if I'm still still, you know, not pushing up the daisies. But you know, the previous owner was there for, well, God, he was there for 20 years. So, you know, we we as a board right now get one shot at this. So we therefore weren't satisfied with just having a couple of items from the fan-led review. Uh, we wanted to make sure, I mean, and, and these things, Nick, as well. I mean, if you're a member of the trust, people will know this. Because every year at our AGM, we publish what our motions are. And a lot mm -hmm. of them are what I would call kind of standing motions. So they don't change year on year out because they're they're fundamental objectives of the trust. So things like having regular constructive dialogue, uh, you know, with whoever runs Chelsea, you know, and and having uh, that kind of dialogue with the government of the day, you know, the sports minister, and and always on supporter issues. So things like fair ticket pricing, obviously stadium development, anything that involves the, the, the experience uh, or, or otherwise of the match-going supporter. So there's a consistency there. The other thing that we, we walloped in was to make sure that uh, we had continued support for the Chelsea FC women's team because we think, I mean, you know, they are as fundamental to the success and the well-being of Chelsea as any other element of the club. Obviously, the foundation, I think, is, is now paramount. And, and in a funny old way, probably the, that's Roman's legacy, if the truth were to be told. So that has to be protected. And given that um, only a year ago, uh, six uh, owners, including our own, decided that they wanted to kill football as we know it and jolly off to a European Super League, we thought, well, we need to really make sure that that's on the table too so that they don't get any... Yeah, perfect opportunity for a new owner, isn't it? They've just spent two and a half, three billion. Let's protect that investment by, you know, hiving it off into a European Super League. So for us, it boiled down to those things. And as I said, there was a mix between the Fanland Review, Chelsea-centric stuff, and stuff that we have always, always campaigned for. Um and we needed to get that out there. And I think we did a good job of doing that. I mean, the guys on the board, I mean, there have been about four or five people right at the heart of this. 
they have been working 24 7 to to get this message out and to respond and react to everything that's going on and as you know it's 24 7 news cycle and it's hard to keep up and these guys have all got full-time jobs so this is in the spare time so they've been remarkable in that the statements have been really clear really well written and i'm very very proud of the stuff we've done on that and because of that Anybody who was potentially uh, bidding for the club knew that when it came to supporters, the first people they had to talk to were the supporters' trust. A, because we've made a lot of noise, but B, also, if they drilled down a little bit, we are without doubt, uh, and I, 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 we differentiate from, from Chris and the CPO because it's a slightly different structure, but in terms of a supporter organisation representing supporters' interests, we are by far and away, by an absolute country mile, the biggest organization in terms of membership. So they, they write, quite rightly, they should be talking to us. And that's how the process started, really. So it was a bit of push and a bit of pull, if you like. Can you uh, describe why it's critical for potential bidders uh, to communicate with with the trust? And then I'll pass that, Chris, uh, that question along to Chris as well uh, with, with CPO, because I you could you could be forgiven for thinking, oh, I'm spending two and a half billion dollars on a thing. Why, why do I have to talk to anyone about it? Well, quite. Um, I think I think one of the reasons they felt they had to is because we particularly made a lot of noise about it. And, and, and I have to be really, really honest, because I mean, I, I love the CPO. I mean, I, 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 I'll joke with Chris on this. He doesn't know this, but I'm one of the, the kind of the, the strange people who didn't trust Ken Bates at all and didn't buy one when they first came out. It took me years to think, oh, actually, no, 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 no. I get it. OK, OK, OK. But, uh, I mean, here's the thing, Chris. The minute the news was out, okay, the news broke. I remember it well. I was I was about to go into a meeting at uh, 10 o'clock, and the news broke, and it was like, oh, my God. The minute I got home after that meeting, what was the first thing I did? I bought another CPO share. So, you know, the CPO are very, very different. And actually, uh, I know we, we do actually work quite closely together as organizations, and one of our motions is, is to always support the CPO and everything that it stands for. Um, but actually... The fact that the CPO uh, owns the freehold to, you know, Stamford Bridge is actually one of the asks within the golden share concept. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea is uniquely situated or Chelsea supporters is uniquely situated in the fact that we have some sort of protection. Um, But nevertheless, we made a lot of noise. So they realized that they had to come to us. Um, but we, you know, we've worked very hard over 12 years, you know, getting the right kind of context and contacts. And luckily we have some pretty good political connections within the organization. So we were right in the faces of, uh, not just the government in terms of the deputy, uh, the, the department of culture, media and sport, but the very, I mean, you know, it's not just the minister, there are, you know, private secretaries and all that kind of thing. Also the shadow DCMS, uh, both the liberal Democrats and the Labour Party or the official opposition. So, you know, you have to galvanise the supporters by getting the message across and saying, look, we are here for you. You are us. We are you. We got the best chance of getting your voice heard, number one. You've got to hit the uh, the media like we did, and we've we been blasting the media to keep getting that message across. And we also have to get out there with government as well in, in the yeah. politics of it and get your hands dirty there. And I think if you coalesce that together as successfully as we did then anybody who bids for the club know that they have to talk to us. However, quite rightly, at the end of the day, yes, we're all Chelsea supporters, so we speak as Chelsea supporters, but you know we are a representative organisation and we are accountable to our members. So the only people that we can speak on behalf, literally, are our membership. We cannot speak for all Chelsea supporters because apparently there are 90 million 
much as I'd love to have 90 million as members of the trust, we don't have 90 million. So we have to recognize that too and not be too up our own rear end and too patronizing, arrogant and pompous. We have to recognize these facts too. But we are the biggest supporter organization. There's no doubt about that. So in terms of representation, we're the biggest. And of course, we're democratic. You know, there, are, there is no other Chelsea supporters organization that is that is constituted democratically, one member, one vote. So I think for me, it's pretty clear. Chris, I'm, I'm going to pass that question on to you. Why, why is it so important that prospective bidders uh, communicate with CPO? Uh, I think you guys have a... Um, a more like not a more interesting scenario, but a different scenario in terms of of having the freehold. Yeah, it's a, it is a, it is a different situation that we're in. Um, actually, before I get into that deeply, I'm gonna actually do a a big shout out to the CST guys who I who I absolutely concur have done a brilliant job in the last few weeks. I I speak to or message Cliff most days these days, and we're sharing info and contacts and you know what's going on and what do you hear that sort of stuff and he's been brilliant dom and, and paul as well have done a fantastic job and all the other guys on the board i know have been working tirelessly behind the scenes i can't say enough about what a great job they're doing and i think every chelsea fan um just needs to step back and just think about the work that's gone into this on their from their part and just be grateful that those guys are there because they've done a, a brilliant job absolutely brilliant from from CPO's point of view, as I say, it is a slightly different situation because we're in we're in the role of landlord, if you like. So um, we're not perhaps taking as much of a sort of front of house position here in, in with the media and stuff like that. Although having said that, we have responded to media requests from all over the world, all hours of the day and night, <laughs> the whole thing, just to try and put our perspective over because in spite of the work that we that we try to do or we think we've done, um, the role of CPO and what it actually stands for isn't uh, as widely known or as widely understood as we'd like to be. So a lot of the work that we've done has been educational in, uh, in, uh, in informing about what we do and why it is important that uh, prospective owners do have a, an understanding about CPO and, and be prepared to, to work with us and talk to us. So a lot of the work that we have done in, in arranging meetings and, and getting in front of people has been just to make sure they understand exactly what's involved as and when they put their, uh, their hands in their pockets to buy this great football club of ours because it is a unique situation, as I said earlier, that perhaps some of the fine details or the fine implications of that relationship may need to be explained a bit further. So uh, the the CPO put out a, a couple of tweets, um, March 23rd, saying, in response to the many comments posted in recent days, we wholly support the statements from the Chelsea Supporters Trust, particularly that we have no legal role or direct say on the decision as to who the club will be sold to, which is a commercial matter for Chelsea FC. Please understand that it is in our interest to have a conversation with all the bidders, but that doesn't mean that we endorse any particular consortium. Any dialogue is purely to ensure uh, they understand the positions of both CST and CPO. So I guess, Chris, back to you. If if you could maybe frame the context around these conversations, maybe topics that are are being shared. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I, I think it. Um, I think it related particularly to the um, to the scenario surrounding one of the bidders and and some of the some of the past issues around them as a as as, as people or an, or an organization. 
And I, it seemed to me from some of the comments that I was hearing, and I think the CST guys will probably agree, uh, that we were being criticised for actually wanting to talk to some of the people. But obviously our role, uh, you know, as, as we made the point, we don't have a role in deciding who buys the club, but we do have a role in representing shareholders, stroke fans, members, to make sure that whoever does come in to buy the club is fully aware of the thoughts and the and the, the processes involved and, and make sure that whatever if you are going to walk through the door as the new owner, you actually get you actually get it. You actually understand what the you know the legacy, the community, the whole thing and, and why people are going to be perhaps holding some very, very strong views about things that may have happened in the past. I think that was just really to just to clarify that we have every right and responsibility to talk to every moving part in this process to make sure that everything is very clear. Can I just pop in and, and add to that, actually, uh, Nick, because Chris makes a brilliant point there, and he's absolutely right. And I mean, actually, again, you know, this is this has been uh, our, our clear and stated objective from the day we founded the Trust, that we, we always sought to have dialogue with the people who run the club, because we always felt that unless you're in the room talking to these people, they don't they don't really understand what it is that we want and need. And, okay, you know, anybody can organise a protest and, you know, uh, attack the club, you know, with uh, baseball bats in, in hand, but it's not really going to solve the issue because ultimately the supporters, we all want to go and watch Chelsea every week, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to be shut out of that. So the only way that that ever gets resolved is dialogue. And in this scenario, you know, we have to have that that same viewpoint, you know, we, 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 we don't have, as, as Chris said, we... I mean, people are saying the trust are going to be kingmakers. We're not at all. We have absolutely no say in who will be the winning bid and who uh, the rain group and the existing ownership choose. It's a commercial decision. It has, you know, nothing to do with us other than the fact that it will, it will affect and impact us. So we're not kingmakers at all, but we have to act professionally on behalf of our members to make sure that they get their voice heard. So we have to talk to these people. And more to the point, yeah, I know we all have personal views. I could sit here with over a pint or five with you, Nick, and hopefully uh, sometime in May I'll do that because I know you're coming over. So yep. you know, I'm, I'm happy to bore you stupid with my personal views on it. <laughs> but I have to park that when we're on the trust because the, re- the fundamental reason for that is that one of these guys is going to be the owner of Chelsea. And if we shut ourselves out of that dialogue now, then who the hell is going to be speaking up for supporters? So we have to retain the goodwill. We have to do it in good faith. We have to be respectful and professional as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're dealing with some very serious people here. People who have got three billion quid to spend are not stupid. They're also incredibly well represented by some of the best PR agencies and some of the best legal minds in the world. And, and you know, we're, we are amateurs and we are volunteers. So we've had to massively up our game. But the, the minimum we can do is be professional in what we do and how we act and behave, because we could end up having to be in the room with these people batting for the uh, supporters in, in six months, years, five years' time. It's a, it's a really good point, right? Because... Again, our our own personal views, and I, I think most folks know how uh, the three uh, main hosts on our show feel about this process and about some of the particular uh, bidders who have been mentioned in the past. And I have a particularly uh, difficult relationship with one of them. Uh, is it, 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 we do have to separate that 
from the task at hand a little bit, right? Which is just we do, we do, you yeah, don't, right? But but even just painting this broad picture, right? The the best thing we can do is know all the facts. Yeah. Right? If you know all the facts, then you can make better decisions, right? And I think knowing all the facts is not only coming out of discussions that you guys were having behind closed doors with with these folks, but also through some of the reporting that's being done uh, by journalists that, that we know and respect. And th it paints a clearer picture, I think, for supporters who, who are not in those meetings, who are not reporting those stories, as to what type of owner this new potential owner will be, right? And and I think that's a really important deal. So I guess in in a in a broad stroke, uh, you guys are both having discussions with potential bidders about key areas of impact, right? For both the trust and for CPO as it pertains to their bid, about their philosophy. Can can one of you kind of paint the picture as to like the topics of discussion in these sessions, or is it kind of a meet and greet, get to know you type of thing? Do you want to go first, Chris, or do you want me to? I'm yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy to go first. Um, I, I think that the nature of the meeting it depends on who you're talking to. Quite often, sure. you're meeting with there's a, a group of people involved, some of whom know from a CPO point of view, know very well what what it is that what we're about. So. As I said earlier, sometimes there's an educational element to the conversation that we're having. Uh, sometimes it's, um, you know, we're starting off on a, in a good place and we know exactly what it is that uh, that's going to be discussed. Um, one of the first things that we, that we do is to make it clear um, that we're not representing supporters' trust, although we fully support them and endorse the statements which they're making, and we don't want to get drawn into the conversations that we know they're going to be having. So yeah. we'd like to draw a fairly clear line about that. Our agenda is is very clear. Um, our agenda is that we have um, responsibilities for the stadium. So we want to understand what the plans are or the intentions are for development, or moving, or whatever that happens to be. And that's an open question. You know, tell us what your plans are, what do you think? Um, we'll talk around that um, and obviously there's, there's been well documented we have a loan that's currently in place with a football club that we want to find a way to get that loan wave removed bought out whatever mm -hmm. and there are vehicles that we're discussing with them as to to achieve that goal in the most efficient way for the benefit of CPO and also the club as well um, but I say it's a uh, it's always an interesting um, situation to be in, and and we find that the the conversations that we're having are very um, cooperative, very collaborative. And at the moment, as it stands, I think we have a a good chance, whichever way this goes, of of getting going a long way towards meeting our objectives. Brilliant, Chidge. What about you? Well, I mean, it's much the same, and I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they're trying to find out about us, and we're trying to find out about them. You know, like like Chris, we've been absolutely crystal clear and consistent all the way down the line. But what this is not is this is not necessarily a horse trading negotiation. It's not like what what you do in your day day job, mate. I know what you're like. You know, <laughs> this is not horse trading and negotiating. I love that Al Pacino. Is it Al Pacino? We're always negotiating. Yeah, everything's a negotiation. Exactly. It's not. It's not that because you know. The reality is, these are these are guys who are spending three billion quid on running the club. We don't really have any control over what they what they want to do or what they say or whatever. So we just have to keep drumming on with our message. 
the interesting thing is, as, as Chris was saying, I think most have been, you know, all the meetings to my knowledge, and I, I should state for the record, I've not been involved in any of the meetings uh, because Cliff is the chairman and Paul's been involved. Dom has a couple of the others on the board too. I'm also down in Winchester, which makes it bloody inconvenient for me to get up there and have these meetings, even if they're on Zoom. I'm busy doing my day job, so, you know. But from my understanding is they've all been cordial, they've all been polite and professional, they've all been very reasonable with grown-up people in the room, on our side and theirs. Um, and actually, from what I know, I mean, you'll know this too, because the media, I mean, you know, here's the other thing with most of the bids, they're pretty keen to tell the media what they've been up to as well. So you you know very well what they've been doing, and they've been very amenable to certainly thinking about. I don't think there have been any concrete promises, and I don't think, you know, the other thing that I would say is, you know, Ideally, we would want some sort of a binding agreement, wouldn't we? But I mean, mm. whether we get that or not is a moot point. That's why we were so keen on getting the government to kind of jump in there and try and make that make that happen. But the, the trouble is, is that, you know, it's a bit like uh, all beauty contests or, or elections, isn't it? You know, the proof of the pudding, as always, will be in the eating. Mm -hmm. But we've made it clear what we want, and they may well promise that. And then let's see if they deliver it. So I, I judge for the for the sake of not talking about particular bids, I'm going to skip over some of the things that uh, we've already covered off on with the survey about the the Ricketts family. Uh, I think that's been well documented. But one thing I did want to bring up with the trust is that obviously Paul Cannibal's uh, presence in this process has increased as we've narrowed um, and uh, he is certainly doing a job. Uh, on behalf of supporters to to better align, you know, these potential bidders interests and approach with what we yeah. know of of support, a, a large majority of supporters within the club and how the club views itself right now. Can you maybe talk about his role? And then um, I will join you in condemning any abuse that he's received for doing a job that he shouldn't have had to do in the first place. <laughs> oh, hallelujah to both. I mean, in, in, a, in a funny, in a funny, and I don't, I don't. This might sound a bit cynical. I don't, I don't mean it to, but may, let's call it serendipity, shall we? I mean, the fact that with the Ricketts bid, uh, you know, there was such a lot of noise about their racism and, I suppose, I should say, alleged racism and homophobia and all the rest of it, the Islamophobia. It was serendipitous, really, for Paul because Paul has become, I think, the uh, official and unofficial uh, kind of spokesman on on on, you know, diversity and, and racism at the club, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, he and I are really, really good mates and have been for many years now. I mean, I love love the bones of the guy. Apart from when I'm trying to get hold of him to do our Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League, then he's annoying. But, you know, I just do them for him and, and then he ends up getting more points than he would have done normally. But, you know, I love him to pieces and he's a really sweet, lovely guy. But actually, I think it's he's played a blinder too, actually, because he's absolutely put himself at the forefront of a very, very important topic for the club in the present and a very, very important uh, issue for the club historically. And you're right. I mean, you know, Paul is the embodiment of that. He was our first black player. And look at the team now. Without Paul, you don't get that, arguably. So he's the perfect man to do that. And he's and he's wonderfully motivated, is Paul. He's got, I don't know where he gets his end. And he's, the, he's, a, he's a man on a mission. It's the only way I can des describe Paul. And he's put himself out there. Um, and he's a very brave guy, as you can I mean, we know that. If you've read his book, you know what kind of a, yeah. a brave guy he is. But he's brave at the moment, too, because he's putting his head above the parapet and he's going for it. And unfortunately, because this is a very emotive time for all supporters because of the uncertainty, because of the obvious change, 
you know, things do get a bit split, don't they? And, uh, you know, you get a bit of factionalism coming in and uh, people can't tolerate that difference, ironically. And, of course, Paul gets... And Twitter, you know, you're an easy target, aren't you? But yeah, Paul's a big yeah. guy. He's a, he's a grown-up. He can take it. And he's... Um, look, he, he has far more people backing him and loving him than are criticising him. So he'll be fine. I'm sure of that. And I hope that he... He does get some sort of a role. Whoever owns the club, they they do recognise that because you you won't find a better better champion for those issues than Paul. Yeah, I, I called Paul, or yeah, kind of gave Canners the soul of the club moniker the other day because I, I think that is like at the heart of all the diversity, equity, and inclusion issues is the the face of that is Paul, um, for better or for worse, and. You know, I, I wish that the situation had to be, hadn't have been in such where he had uh, to to step forward and kind of represent that uh, that interest. But I'm glad that he did, um, and certainly hope that those discussions have become easier uh, as every bidder has kind of come through. I mean, the thing is, Nick, he's got a seat at the table, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, and I don't mean this out of any disrespect to Paul effectively it's it's a single issue that he's dealing with he is the best person to deal with that single issue but it's an issue that we also take very seriously yeah, and yeah. and are, are mandated so to do and i'm sure chris and the cpo would as well um but our, our remit is much much broader we have to to cover all the bases and all the issues but i i don't see it as any hindrance at all paul going for it on that issue as i said he is the best equipped to do it and the more people that are getting in there, wading in and, and 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 making everybody's case, whether it be a single issue or the broad issues, the better in my book. Yeah, we have a couple of quick questions from our Discord community that we'll we'll pass around really quick, and then we'll we'll kind of close on some action items. Um, the first is uh, has already been talked about, which is uh, from Millhouse. What what can they tell us about any meetings they've had with potential new owners? Uh, we just covered off on all that, so hopefully that well, answers your question. I can throw a quick one in which we didn't sure. talk about. But, I mean, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to kind no, of no, like butt in again, Chris, but you know, you also have to understand that there's only a limited amount of things that we are allowed to say. I mean, a lot of these meetings. I mean, I haven't been there, and I'm not entirely sure, but it's not unusual that you'd be subject to a non-disclosure agreement. You know, because a lot of what you'll be discussing would be sensitive information that will have a commercial knock-on. So what they don't want is you to be writing contemporaneous notes and then publishing it the next day. And that's what I mean when I say we have to go in there and negotiate or or, or make our case to these people in a professional manner. And a professional manner means respecting those kind of boundaries. So we can't go out of the meeting and tell everybody what's going on. We just can't, not even to the membership at the moment. And for us, that's a very hard thing to do because we are accountable and responsible for them. But, you know, there are legal issues here. There's some very serious people with deep pockets. You don't want to piss them off. You could find yourself very poor very quickly. <laughs> Chris, anything else you want to add on that? Yeah, front? no, that's that's. I mean, we we covered off a, a few minutes ago, and um, there are there are things that we're just not in a position to talk about. You know, we we as as the as the trusted, we laid out our agenda very early on, and we've been using that as a benchmark for for all the discussions that we've been. Uh, that have been taking place. All right, so we got one from slash JB007. Um, he wants to know a little bit more about the golden share concepts um, because I think this is being conflated with with other things right now. It'd probably be a good idea to change to maybe separate the the two things a little bit. How, how does one get involved in it be kind of, uh, beyond the current avenues and, and the process? How does it come to pass? Sounds like it's a governmental 
issue more than anything, right? Like from a legal perspective? I'm going to be very, very honest with you. It's been a flaming pain in the ass. <laughs> because, and, and the reason for that is because we didn't call it a golden share. Tracy Crouch in the fan-led review called right. it a golden share. And therefore, it's been open to a massive, massive misinterpretation. I mean, there is no, it is not a share in the sense that, you know, the fact that I have a, a share, well, I have two now, I have two shares in the CBO, uh, has a monetary value. So their face value is, is, is 200 quid. And it gives me two votes in, in, in the AGM and, on, and all the motions that they put forward and voting for Chris and people like that. So it has, it has tangible and monetary, it has monetary value and tangible power, if you like, in terms of my right to vote. The golden share is not a share like that at all. I mean, it's 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 basically a vehicle. It's more of a symbol, really. So what it what it allows is for the organization, which is mooted to be a supporter organization, we're the biggest, we're democratically constituted and elected, so it would make sense. And in fact, when the fan led I mean, what you've also got to understand with the fan led review is that um they sought out the opinion of a wide variety of supporter groups, but by far and away, the most important voice in supporter groups in England for football is the Football Supporters Association. Now, when we were formed in 2012, there was another organisation called Supporters Direct. And the Supporters Direct organisation was really an umbrella organisation for every football club trust in the country. And they were looking predominantly at more lower league clubs who have a genuine chance of their fans owning the club. So they had kind of set up a, a, a constitutional structure by which, you know, to make that happen. But the, the principles remain the same, whether you're a Premier League club or, or a, a League Division Two club. Um, and so, you know, so we're all individual trusts, but we were backed by this umbrella organisation who took on the more lobbying role and, and, and in the corridors of power and represented us as one voice. They merged with the Football Supporters Federation, with whom we were also members, uh, to create the Football Supporters Association. So they are our umbrella. We all belong to them, and we all speak with one voice in the corridors of power at government. And they were very, 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 very involved with the fan-led review. And I think that's a, an important point to consider when you're a member of the Supporters Trust, because, okay, yeah, you're, you'll be a Chelsea Supporters Trust member, and you have one, one member, one vote, and you get your voice heard to us, and we represent you to the club. But on the wider issue of football in general, you're part of a much, much bigger organisation in the FSA that has real clout. I mean, every time there's a massive crisis in England and football, the FSA and their representatives are right there front, front you know, front and centre. So that is important. Um, anyway, going back to the golden share, basically the idea is, is that an organisation holds this kind of not literal tangible thing, the idea of a thing, and it enables them to have a veto over issues that are deemed to be massively important to supporters usually for emotional reasons and not necessarily, you know, tangible or concrete or commercial or, or, or money oriented, although, of course, a lot of them will be as well. But that includes things like, you know, the stadium, <clears throat> keeping the stadium and where it is, the location, really. Um, I think we all agree we probably need a new stadium, but the location, the badge, the badge is important to people. That's why we, we badgered Roman so hard in within the first two years of him being at the club, 
to go back to the old bloody badge and get rid of the Millwall one that Bates introduced. You know, so the badge, the colour, we play in blue, man. It's pretty simple. We mm. like it. You know, so all of those kind of things that have a very, I think, emotionally driven aspect to them, which we like to, we would like to remain because it's what the culture and the history and the legacy of the club is all about. You know, so it, that's it. There's no monetary value. It doesn't give us any 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 power over anybody per se, apart from protecting the cultural and historical legacy of the club that's, that the supporters really love. Is that, is that clear or do you mean, need me to drill down a bit more? Clear as mud, Chidge. All right, as, mate. As oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially clear as Waterford Crystal, Nick. Yeah. That's, that's what we want. Uh, I'm going back to you with a, with the last one here, uh, Chris. Uh, Snacks goes if, and that's a big if, the new owners forgive the the CPO loan that exists that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. What is the next top priority in line for the CPO? Are there any particular campaigns or things on the horizon that you you guys might do with a little bit more uh, financial freedom? Okay. Well, the first thing to say is that um, there is no upper limit on the number of shares that can be sold or number of shareholders that can buy in to be a member of CPO. So just just because the, the CPO may have found a way to sell enough shares or whatever to get the loan paid off, that doesn't mean it finishes. There is still work to do. Uh, Chelsea Pitch Owners is a public limited company, so still has to hold AGMs, still has, still has to publish annual accounts, still has to be responsible to its shareholders for its activities. And there are day-to-day -day activities and administrative administrative needs that need to be fulfilled every day of the year. So there are running costs that have to be met. So shares will still need to be sold. We'll still need to try and hold the annual lunch to do any other merchandise um, efforts that we can put together um, over that period and 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 literally keep running as an organization. That's what we're there for. And then and you know, we have a there'll be a lease um currently standing another 170 years. So we have to be in existence for 170 years, basically. Um, it might not last all those 170 years, but we'll see. Um, and there has to be an organization beyond that time. So there's, there's, there is no end just because we may or may not find a way to get the loan paid off. Okay. So more work. Uh, Chidge, uh, you know, assuming that uh, the new owners do everything that you and, and the rest of the trust board say, um, what is what's kind of the the hot list for you guys with with any new owner coming in? Uh, is is there a particular initiative uh, that that is being kind of prioritized over others, or is there kind of a, a flat structure of those initiatives across the board? Um, that's a good question, actually, Nick. I mean, it would be very easy to me to say that they're all equally important, and in a sense, they all are. I mean, that's that's why we thought thought, thought long and hard before committing to paper, paper and statements, what we, what we were asking for. Um, the first among equals, though, I would imagine would have to be the golden share items and, uh, and also the dialogue with the club. And the dialogue, the dialogue with the club is really uh, kind of constituted, or supported dialogue with the club is really put within the shadow board idea. I mean, people who are, who are not in business might wonder what a shadow board is, but it's basically... Um, it's, it's been quite common in business actually for a few years now, but it's basically there would be uh, a parallel board made up of supporters, representatives. So, you know, it wouldn't all be the trust. I mean, you know, you could hopefully have a have quite a diverse group in there who are there to always be thinking on behalf of the supporters and what they want and, and assessing and analysing what the club are doing and feeding that back and making sure that they 
you know, and there's been a long history in in the club, even in Roman's time, of of them, of them making unbelievably stupid decisions. Which, if only they had actually included us in that decision making and bothered to talk to us, we could have said, "If you do that, it's going to cause chaos." Rafa Benitez, anybody? But uh, I mean, actually, normally it, it it would be to do with off the pitch stuff because, frankly, right. you kind of have to cede control. You know, that that's what they're there for. Effectively, they're there to organize what happens on the football pitch and make enough money for that to carry on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We're there to pick up the pieces of the damage they cause in the process of doing it, you know, communicating that to them. So yeah, sorry, long, long winded answer again, as always from me, Nick, but yeah, I'd say the golden share and the shadow board, but frankly, they're all massively important, every single one of them. And I hope that they listen and take that on board. Well, I mean, even in the the most recent survey that you guys put out, um, you know, these things just had, tremendous amount of support from from the cst uh voters right i mean paying off the the balance of the loan to cpo yep. i think has a 93 percent agree or strongly agree uh percentage the golden share is even higher at 96 percent agree or strongly agree uh democ- democratically elected shadow board is is right up there as well i think that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 92 percent uh, you know, not going to the Super League, <laughs> very high. I mean, these are, they're just, they're kind of consensus items from the supporters, right? That, I mean, 96, per, you can't get 96% of people to agree on anything these days. So that it should be a pretty strong well, you know, indicator. E- even, uh, even, uh, what's, what's the guy, guy's name in North Korea? I was, my favorite <laughs> was always King, King of Kung Il John because of the Team America movie, but it's his son, isn't it? But I mean, even he doesn't get 96%. <laughs> He's a, he's a totalitarian state, Nick, you know, so we're doing quite well. But I think that's the point, you know. We're not saying anything controversial here. We're not saying anything left field. We, we we are supporters too. We know what we all want. So we've just basically, what we've done is structured it for people. Yeah, my, my favourite one here is regular dialogue with Chelsea FC board. Uh, 99%. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think all, all I want to do on the, on the close of this show is just kind of showcase how each organization is working on behalf of of their members right and and broader chelsea supporters i know um that we've had people reach out and go how do i get a share how do i get a a become a member and so we'll we'll direct them to to both of you guys but again i want to close by saying if you want to become a member of the chelsea pitch owners uh chelseafc.com forward slash en forward slash cpo forward slash buy dash a dash share uh, that's, that's how you can get involved. And of course there are special shares. As Chris said earlier, there are shares that are signed by Mason Mount, Cesar Espelicueta and all of your favorite, uh, players. Uh, those are great. I have one hanging on my wall right behind my head. So, uh, do that. And of course, if you want to be a, become a voting member of the Chelsea supporters trust, it's five pounds a year to become a member. Very easy. And you may, it may take a minute to get your badge because of the influx of, of people. So, uh, go do both of those things uh, and and just become a part of the process. It's easy to be critical from the outside. Uh, it's much harder to become a part of uh, the solution. Uh, but we encourage everyone who's who's up for that to do so. Uh, I'm going to uh, give final words here first to to Chris. Um, finally, yeah, thanks very much for having us on uh, today. It's been great to to take part and to say to share Cherry Airways with such illustrious company. Um, we're Really, really hopeful that we're going to get a, a, a result from this process that will benefit the pitch owners in general and the club as a whole. Um, 
the best way to, to continue to do that is to continue to support pitch owners, buy shares as much as you possibly can, and also do a bit for, for Chich as well and say £5 is money, very, very well spent to become a member of the supporters trust as well. Do it now. Yeah, thank you, Chris. That's kind of, I'd say, so, I mean, as I said, you know, certainly on the fan cast, every week we we, we plug uh, the, the CPO and pe- get people to buy a share because we recognise how important it is as an organisation and how unique it is as an No other football club in this country certainly have the power that Chelsea supporters have through the CPO. It's It, 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 it should be cherished like nothing else. It really should. I mean, as, as far as the sports trust goes, I mean, we've said it all already, you know, it is absolutely fundamentally about a group of people who have been democratically elected by the members who are Chelsea supporters to represent their views. And I mean, perhaps one thing didn't come across. And I think, you know, in the talking that we've had today, you know, yeah, we are we are the representatives of the members who are Chelsea supporters. Sure. Yes, we can't represent every Chelsea supporter because we, we just physically can't. But... Because we're accountable to our membership, you know, if, if for example, you know, I, I, it's hard to predict what will happen, of course, but, you know, we can't as a board in, in a lot of instances just unilaterally say, oh, yeah, okay. You know, if a really big decision emanates from one of the winning bids as to what will happen, we have to take that to our membership mm-hmm. and to get them to vote on it. That's really what the, the survey was for, because we needed a litmus test now because we had, we had to push ahead and get this thing out there on the table. But uh, we knew we would have to go to the members in some way. So we thought the easiest and quickest way to do that was a sort of survey. Yes, they agree with what we've been doing and what we've been saying. Good, we carry on. But if you're going to make any big decisions that affect the supporters broadly and the members specifically, they get a say. So we would have an EGM, an extraordinary general meeting, and there would be a vote at that on whatever the issues happen to be. And if they like it and they vote for it and they agree with what the board recommend, it's policy. And that's what we do. And guess what, Nick? If they don't like it, we have to lump it and agree with them because it's up to them. Yep. So that's why it's important to be a member. You have, you have, you know, we are accountable to you and you have some sort of a power over what happens if you join in and have a say. Well, I couldn't have said that any better. Um, yep. Again, go join both, both organizations. Uh, really thankful to both of you guys for for joining, kind of shedding some light on the process. Um, we will we'll be getting those beers in less than a month, uh, Chidge. So I can't very, wait, mate. Very excited. We we uh, we have two years of catching up to do. So uh, very excited about that. But look, guys, uh, I hope this helps. Um, I hope this helps shed some light on everything that's going on. And uh, yeah, just really thankful to you both for, for representing uh, a lot of us and what you guys do. So uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>